Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, Jesus Christ is born. Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I am Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for a long time and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Thanks to Alob for the intro music, but also to me and Matt for that nice little song coming in. <laughs> so we have some... Gr- what was that? We've got great news to share. Right? Right, today, right. today we're talking about hope, and part of it is... Yeah, I, I believe it's connected to the reality that we have something that we need to proclaim, and yet I think society tells us, you know, religion and politics keep private, you know. Yeah, um, yeah keep, and, that, keep that to yourself. Keep that behind closed doors. I don't need to hear about it. It's your business. You do you. Yes. And so we recently encountered an article. Uh, it's it's going to be in the show notes. It's called A Religious Upbringing Greatly Helps Adolescence. And it was a Harvard study that found that those who are active in religious religion um, have children that grow up to be <laughs> just better all around, like in all the yeah. boxes. And now, yeah. like I said, it wasn't like I said it earlier in show prep. It it's not like a hundred percent across the board, right? If you practice religion, that doesn't mean that with certainty your teen will not have premarital sex. But from this group of five to seven thousand people that they followed from uh, I guess it was 1999 to 2019, and looked at them at different spots and their religious practice, they found that there was a significant lower amount of uh, premarital sex. Yeah. And not just that. So like a lot of things that even non-religious parents or whatever, non, I wouldn't even say non-conservative parents, think would, would be important. You know, they're, less, they're, they're more likely to have a strong sense of purpose in life. They're more likely to report high levels of happiness they're less likely to suffer from depression, less likely to use illegal drugs, less likely to contract sexually transmitted diseases, more likely to volunteer, and more likely to have high levels of forgiveness. You know, all of these things are, are components of what you want in normal citizens. You know, forget if they're religious or not. Of course, we want that in our, in our Catholics, you know, but we want that in, like, everybody wants that in society. So as ministry leaders, why does this matter to us? Because we're already... Yeah. We, yeah, we're already moving the ball forward in this direction. Yay, we're, well, we're doing something. You wouldn't be working in ministry if you didn't believe this. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> that's fair. This is, yeah. But it's nice. This is a Harvard study. You know, it was, uh, it was done um, over a long period of time, which makes it not one of the first studies of its kind, but one of the more comprehensive studies of its kind. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, is Harvard is not like a Notre Dame, right? Not a, not a religion-associated university. And they did look yeah. at um, all religions, uh, Islam, uh, Judaism, and Christianity. And so it, it talks about religion in general, not just our brand, um, which is yeah. you know, the fullness of truth, uh, but it found positive results in all of it. So for us, what, what does that mean? I think that this gives us the hope to stand a little taller, because yeah. there's times where... I don't know, the required parent meeting and things like that, we have this stigma like, oh, I got to force them to come up here. No one wants to be here. This is a necessary evil, blah, 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 blah. But instead, it's like, hey, I am helping them have children that are less depressed later on in life. I am helping them to have children that have higher levels of happiness later on in life. I am actually helping society 
have more successful and more engaged citizens, 38% more likely to volunteer. Like that's huge. Yeah. That, that'll make Absolutely. a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. It, it helps us stand up a, a little bit higher. I want to like, is there anything else about like the study or the article that you want to dive into? Because before we dive into, I don't know, the, the effects of it, um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the article. Yeah, so a couple of things from the study itself. I, I, I dug around a little bit, and they looked at a number of different factors, right? Did you go to, uh, do you go to a religious service uh, weekly, uh, less than once a week, less than twice a year, or never? And, and they looked at all those factors, and then they also looked at prayer or meditation, daily, weekly, less than once a week, never. You know, it had, had that scale as well. And I found it very interesting that they would measure both of those. Because as, as a ministry leader, I find weekly practice of the faith, right, going to Mass on Sundays, to be important. But I also find that if it's not, if it's not paired with daily prayer, that sometimes it does feel just like a club or something like that. Yeah. They found that something worth measuring of actually looking at both prayer slash meditation and weekly religious service attendance. So yeah, I, that there I, was a connection there. Yeah, it, yeah, it that makes they, a difference. It yeah. affirmed It affirmed me. <laughs> It <laughs> made me feel better. Yeah, because I was like, I feel that connection. I recognize that. I thought it was like they, they made some bold statements, and there were a couple of statements that I actually want to push back on. But this one, you know, that I thought was really interesting, that it said participating in a religious organization was the only social activity associated with sustained happiness. I thought that was really bold. Like that is the only social activity associated with sustained happiness. That's crazy. We'll push back. Go ahead. No, not on this one. I, I think that's that's I, you know I think that's pretty awesome. It's a little broad sweeping. I, I wonder what other social activities they would have compared that to. Right, because you would think athletics would be another great one, especially team sports. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's. I mean, I, I'd be interested to know what what they were comparing that to, or if that was just like a, a comment of their own. But right. it's, I mean, it says Erasmus University um, in the Netherlands. Netherlands said that, so that's a pretty cool. Um, the other piece that I found, and this is really kind of the second half of the article, is they pushed back on those who pushed back on religion. Yes. So yeah. a lot of times society will give the impression, especially in postmodernism, will give the impression that religion is kind of like a thing of the past. Oh, you're religious. Oh, well, when are you going to go ahead and, and get with the times, get enlightened? And yeah, or religious people are holding us back. They're keeping us from progressing, you know, stuff like that. Right, right. And, but the reality is, and, and they made this claim, it's, it's absolutely amazing, that those who are anti-religious are enemies of society. I forget exactly where it said it in well, the article. What it says is, non-believers or secularists should be considered natural enemies of social harmony. Yes. They said it and much kinder like, than I did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, that's a very bold statement. And this one, like this statement... You know how when you, you're reading articles or you're reading blogs and you're like, oh, crap, that statement, now it sounds political. I'm not sure if I can trust anything else they've written sure. in this article. You know, this one, I, I, was wor I was worried that this was betraying a little bit more of a political ideal, you know, rather than, you know, something from the study. But if what they're saying about the study is true, if all of those facts that we said, like the percentages of happiness and all, everything else that we stated at the beginning, if that's true— then people who fight against religion, you know, are actually fighting against what's better for society. 
Long term, yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is and, just crazy. It, well, it, and there's a, a study that supports this. And it's a fascinating thing because our nation was founded on freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. And yep. that distinction is a vital distinction because we as ministry leaders need to empower ourselves. So one thing I do is Ash Wednesday or other times of the year, I go on to the ISD uh, website and I find their, their codes, their bylaws or their rules or whatever. I highlight that section and I send it out to the parents because mm. you are permitted to leave school with an excused absence to go ahead and attend a religious service on a holy day. So I tell the teens, I said, you know, great, go to Ash, go to an Ash Wednesday service before school so you can wear your ashes all day or go to the noon service so that you can go ahead and exercise your right as a citizen to practice your religion during the school day and then come back with your ashes. And so I I put that section in there because we are protected (laughs) by the First Amendment. We are protected by the Constitution. We were formed as a nation so that we could have freedom of religion in the United States. And now I see kind of this wave of secularism kind of pushing religion to the back burner. And that, that is almost, it's clearly an opponent to religion, but it's almost persecuting those who practice the faith um, by, by putting a pretty heavy social stigma on it. Yeah, but and, and the thing is, is they don't realize that they're shooting themselves in the foot. And that's what this study tells us, is that when people push religion to the margins, it's actually going to be detrimental to society. Right. Now, the challenge is, is because they went ahead and took, you know, all the uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, there are some differences in those uh, to where all three can't be true, right? Yeah. And so how, how does that, if any religion is good enough, then why wouldn't the government just create its own kind of brand of religion that would seek to bear these same type of fruits. I know I'm getting very Brave New World 1984 on you, but create their own brand of religion to seek out these fruits because of that. Um, because they even Hinduism and Buddhism are also um, parts of, of the study. You know, there's a lot of different brands of religion, but they said that all brands of religion led to these positive outcomes. They did say that, but they said that, what, 75%, you know, share those same Abrahamic values, you know, and so that's what they were, you know, comparing that to. Um, I think, you know, yeah, the, I mean, the tough thing about the whole, you know, state-created religion, I mean, obviously in the United States, that's, you can't really do that, not without completely killing the Constitution. But it makes but for a really good movie premise. It does, it does. <laughs> And, and I think people would see through that, even when it's mandated in other countries, people still practice their own religion at home. Right. Um, even though, even if they're required to practice this, you know, this religion to do this other thing. So I, I don't think that would work. So I don't think it changes a lot about the way that we do anything. Because just because it's good for society doesn't change the way that we're going to do ministry. As ministry leaders, we can't get all pumped up about you know, sharing the gospel because it's good for society. Right. We're not missionaries <laughs> of society, right? That's actually the mission yeah. field. We're yeah. missionaries of God. We're disciples of God. And the fact that it bears fruits in society is not a shocker to us. No. Yeah, it's not a surprise to us at all. But we share it today because we feel that it provides a level of hope that's, uh, that's necessary at times to have a little pick-me-up. And I think this is a little pick-me-up. Now, I do want to share a little story from my own, because I think that even in our own kind of worldview, 
postmodernism can work in our favor or uh, the relatives of him because they put such a value on tolerance that those who are experiencing intolerance or uh, injustice of any kind are actually seen as, as encamped in any of those who have ever been victimized. So there I am back in my parish, my very first parish, and we had a pro-life t-shirt day, right? And this was, I, I forget which organization did it, but we participated. One of the teens in my youth program said, can we develop this shirt? And she had a design and we went ahead and sold the shirts for like five bucks a piece. I like, a, a lot, like half the kids in our youth group went ahead and picked up these shirts. They all wore them to school on that Tuesday, the pro-life t-shirt day. And they were told to go ahead and put their t-shirts on inside out because, wow. because they were all wearing the same type of clothing and they considered that a violation of their code because it was a gang, a gang affiliation oftentimes wears similar type of clothing. <laughs> Wow. Yep. They were using that as an excuse. They were using that silence. as an excuse. And meanwhile, wow. meanwhile, the very next day, a junior varsity uh, basketball team had a game, and so they all wear their jerseys to school, and that was okay, even though it was, they were all wearing the exact same thing. It wasn't gang affiliated, so it was it was clearly kind of a push towards a specific group, mm-hmm. and it was they had a pro life club at the school and everything, and. When the students heard about it, they immediately recognized the injustice and the, 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 the kind of leadership of the LGBTQ Gay Straight Alliance. It was Gay Straight Alliance back then. The Gay Straight Alliance Club came to them and said, hey, we want to help you guys if you want to do a protest or something like that to stand up against this injustice. Wow. So even though they, they have a mentality that, that, is, that differs, they at least appreciated their right to uh, allow everyone to express themselves. Yeah, and they so, weren't happy that someone else was being silenced, even if it was against necessarily their own views. Or, or part, yeah, part of their values, the value yeah. system. And, and so it was just this fascinating piece of, of moral relativism and, uh, and postmodernism that I actually think we could leverage or go ahead and, uh, and partner with. We can get behind that mentality, and it could be almost an on-ramp to, to religion, uh, or to the value of religion? I don't know. Like, I think that's a, a great idea or thought, but I, I feel like anti-Christian and especially anti-Catholic is, is still an acceptable prejudice to have. You know, and so if, if you're against... And so I don't, I don't think that that would hold for us. You know, I think that if we are being persecuted, I don't think that a whole lot of people are going to stand up next to us to support us. Unless they share very similar ideals, and I believe um, and, it and depends on the degree of persecution. And the the blood of the martyrs yeah. is the, the the seed of the church. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I just I see that the last acceptable prejudice in the, in in our country is anti-Catholic. And you see that on late night comedy shows. You see that on on Twitter feeds and, and, and pieces like that. If you say something against someone who is promoting an alternative lifestyle, then you're immediately seen as a bigot. But you can make as many priest jokes or pope jokes as, as you want, and no one's going to uninvite you from speaking at an award show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's nice to see some signs of that, um, like you experienced some of that at, at, you know, at that school and at that parish. But I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see that happening in society at, at large. Okay, fair enough. And I can't argue that. I mean, I think you're right. So with this information... Obviously, we can stand taller. It's not going to change anything we do from the mission. Uh, but what what does that mean for us as ministry leaders? You know, 
Is there a way to go ahead and say, oh, and by the way, because I have seen another study that came about, out about eight years ago that said those raised in a religious setting actually make 15% more income than those not. So I started mentioning at the parent meeting, like even if this isn't something that you want to get your kids to heaven, maybe it's just you want to get yourself into a better retirement home, <laughs> you know? Like, well, and I, I think that, and that, that may be exactly how we can utilize this study in ministry. I mean, you look at what, what Paul did when he went to evangelize. He looked around and he saw the gods that everybody was worshiping, and he used what the society encouraged them to actually look at God. You know, look at what's around you, but look at this unknown God. This is, this is God. And so the same sort of thing. We can say, hey, these are your, these are your gods. I mean, and they, and they are often, very often, happiness, well-being, money are people's gods. That sure. They, that they say, this is what's important. I want my kid to be happy. Okay, great. Teach him about God. Yeah. You know, and, that's, and that's where we get to utilize society and where they are and this study to, to show people that if you are religious, if you do this at home, if you do all this, it actually will have good effects on them and utilize that to evangelize them. And it was a secular study that came out with this information. Yeah. And, and I think that's helpful to be able to say, okay, we're, <laughs> we're not saying this. Technically, we've always been saying this, right? Yeah. But, but now someone else is seeing it over a comprehensive study that took place over you know, a, a 15, 20-year period of following these adolescents around. Uh, into adulthood, those motivations to bring people closer to the the church because of secular reasons is that us just being cunning and ultimately they encounter Christ, or is that us selling the gospel short because it's truth and it should speak for itself? I think God uses all types of things to bring us towards Him. How many young men are in your youth group because the girl is there, you know? And God's using that beauty to 72. bring those men there. Yes, you know, you you know the number. Yeah, (laughs) but so God uses all types of things to bring people to Him. You know, He God uses semi truths, you know, um, to bring them people to the fullness of the truth. And so I think you know that's that's part of God's design. He knows us. He knows our faults. He knows what draws us. And and anything that if people are seeking truth, they're going to find Him. You know, even if this isn't the fullness of the truth, there is truth there. Yeah. One piece I really appreciated about it was the higher levels of forgiveness. Mm. Yeah. I don't think about that as much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, don't get me wrong. I apologize on a daily basis. Like, I apologize to my <laughs> children because angry dad came out instead of loving dad, you know. But 80 87% more likely to have higher levels of forgiveness. 87%? Like, that's pretty hefty. Yeah. That's a lot. But is, is forgiveness something that society values? So that was the one out of all of them that I wasn't 100% sure if society values forgiveness. Mm. Because, I mean, you look at social media and you would not think that at all. Yeah, just the way that, the way that people post and stuff like that. It's like, go to the comment section of any news article. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, they're not, like, they're not working for reconciliation and forgiveness. They're just not. Now, and so that, that would, I think that, I don't know if that would be a, you know, a, a social ideal. Well, until know? they go to counseling. When it comes to mental health, forgiveness is a huge piece of mental yeah. health, yeah. which is why I think that the, the sacramental reconciliation actually checks a lot of boxes, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's encountering God and his mercy, but it's also uh, 
freeing, like those who go to reconciliation regularly, and again, this is a study, I don't know where I've heard this before, but it was a study that was done. Catholics who go to uh, the sacrament of confession regularly have uh, have lower mental health issues. Mm. Like, like <laughs> it's, it's similar fruits to those who go to a counselor regularly. Wow. And That's it's awesome. free. You know, like just think... They they don't accept insurance, but they don't charge anything in the confessional. You know, it's amazing. Um, I wanted to. I was thinking about something as I was going to bed last night with regards to this and what we were going to be talking about. And this, I think, a lot of what we talked about and even now can very easily be connected to youth ministry. But I, I absolutely one hundred percent see this connecting to all ministries, um, whether you're in religious education, RCIA, marriage prep. You know, all of this stuff. Like you want music ministry. Sure, absolutely. Okay. In different ways, it connects to each one of those. Um, marriage ministry, it should be obvious. Like you want to, you know, let the parents know that it's very important that you raise your kids in the faith, not just because we will, because a lot of times people have, they're real suspicious about that. You know, oh, you need to raise your kids in the, in the Catholic Church. It's like, well, look at this. Like it is important. It's important for, like, it's more important for these reasons for salvation because Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. But it's also important because of what will, what it will do for your kids. Right. You know, and so the parents need to know this. And, and it's not just parents of youth group. It's future parents, grandparents, all that stuff. Because statistically, like when, when you click on the actual article and look at it, Judaism is retaining at a higher percentage. Protestantism is retaining at a higher percentage. Islam, Muslim is retaining at a much higher percentage. Catholicism is retaining at about 47%. Wow. Like that's terrifying. That's that's shrinking. Um unless yeah. unless like in the United States our our church is shrinking except for the fact that we have immigration coming in because yeah. uh Latin America is largely Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so we're importing people into our churches, and that's actually created tension, which may be another episode of enculturation and things like that, when the church that my grandfather helped build now has three Spanish masses and only one English mass, you know, um, those those type of pieces. But it it makes me concerned that the legacy of faith— Things change, Grandpa. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and he's like, oh, <laughs> stay off my lawn. Um, you know, but uh, oh, you, I shot my train of thought. I know. I'm sorry. No, I love it. I love those <laughs> tangents. So, oh, the concern is that the legacy of faith ends with this next generation, that we yeah. haven't passed it yeah. down. And yeah. so there is a sense in regards to it, 47% of those raised in religious homes are more likely to have a strong sense of purpose in life. How do we connect that? How do we connect that? That part of your job as a parent is to be a missionary to your own children. Mm. Right, we have this purpose. Like our job is not just to raise um, good citizens. I think that's a fruit. But our it's job is actually a fruit. Our job is to get people to heaven, right? And most importantly, the people closest to us. If I, as a ministry leader, can go ahead and get hundreds of of youth to heaven, and yet my own children or my wife doesn't get to heaven, I am a failure. I am a colossal failure, and so I need to examine what does it look like for me to have that purpose in the home, a strong sense of purpose in life. That's where I need to be kind of focusing and let everything else kind of radiate out from there. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, you you made me laugh because when you said, I am a failure, and now I've done it, we've given Taylor like the perfect little clip 
<laughs> and you gave him a good, you know, sound break right before it and right after it. So now Taylor can put that in wherever he wants. <laughs> Listeners, Taylor is the one who is editing our podcast currently, and uh, he has a sense of humor that's dangerously similar to ours, which can lead to some pretty good trolling at times. So, yes. Yeah. All right, Chris, we've got uh, just a couple minutes left. What do you want to make sure that we close with and then our listeners here? Two things. I think there's a boldness. Uh, so it, uh, let me start with the other one first because the boldness is a higher note, you know. So first, <laughs> this is an affirmation of what we're doing. A pat on the back. If you do not have uh, that affirmation that exists in your life or in your parish or from your pastor or wherever it is, ministry leaders read this article. It, just the first half. It gets depressing in the second half about society and engagement. <laughs> um, but there, there is affirmation in what we're doing and it goes beyond just the, the salvation of souls, which is the ultimate goal. But it's a beautiful reality that, like, you know what? The movers and shakers in society that have the most meaning in their life are going to be th- those raised in a religious setting. Entrepreneurs have a strong sense of purpose, and they shape the, sh- the, the world in a lot of ways. So let's make Catholic entrepreneurs. Let's do it. Mm. The second piece is that we need to have a boldness to stand firmly in the truths that exist because they are better not just for us, But the atheist that lives across the street is made better because of my practice of religion or my sharing of my faith in those contexts. So be a bold ministry leader. Vote as a ministry leader. Enter into public discourse as a ministry leader. Argue on Facebook as a ministry leader. I don't know if that's true. (laughs) but, uh, But those other pieces, we need to go ahead and say in a public forum because it is being threatened. And, and, and silence is, (laughs) <laughs> is the new way of just losing, right? Well, okay, I'm not going to enter into that dialogue because I'll be seen as a bigot or they'll judge me or they'll misunderstand my intentions. Stop. Just do it. Just boldly be, proclaim. Boldly proclaim. Amen. I like it. All right, guys. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher, Google Play, mlapodcast.com, and you can email mla at ablazeyouth.org. Write us a review wherever you listen and share this with someone. Share this with another ministry leader. Encourage them uh, and, and have them take a look at the first half of the article or the whole article. It'll be in the show notes. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders. Pray for our parents. Pray for our country. We'll see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you. I am a failure. 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 I am a failure.